We're going to read from God's word now. So if you've got a Bible with you, uh, turn to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, and we're going to be starting the reading at verse 35. And Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me. And still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. At this, the Jews began to grumble about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. I am The bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living father sent me and I live because of the father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died. But he who feeds on this bread will live forever. Children, I wonder... If you could make an invention or, or change something about life, that, that one thing that would change life in the biggest way, what might it be? Uh, to be the biggest help, I should say. 
Now, maybe some of you might say, look, what I would really appreciate in my life is some plates that never really get dirty. You know, so you don't have to do the washing up after dinner. That would be a real change to life, wouldn't it? Uh, maybe some others would think, look, imagine if we could get a pill that you take that means you don't have to go to sleep ever. Just imagine how much extra time in each day you'd have if you didn't have to sleep at night, you were just able to carry on. Or maybe some would think, you know, it wouldn't be good if we could get a little USB plug straight into our brains so that instead of spending hours and hours and hours learning the piano or learning the dates in history classes or learning my Latin verbs or whatever else, I can just plug in a USB stick and download the knowledge. That would be a pretty life-changing experience, wouldn't it? Well, Jesus, in today's passage, offers us something which sounds, at first hearing, as remarkably amazing. Jesus offers us bread that when you eat it, you never get hungry again. When you eat the bread that Jesus offers, you never get hungry again. Now, just imagine for a second what that would really be like if you could have some of that bread. It would mean you never have to stop your playing football at lunchtime in the playground. You never have to stop playing your games at home to stop and sit down at the table and have your meal together. You can just go and play and enjoy yourself, having fun. You never have to stop to have your meal. You would never wake up in the morning with your tummy really churning and rumbling because you'd never be hungry. You'd never be waiting for your breakfast in that way. And think as well, those people in countries far less fortunate than ours, for who food is really a life and death issue on many days of their lives, it would solve all those problems. It would solve those issues of poverty. It would mean they never go hungry, not for a single day. They'd never have to miss out a single meal because they've eaten the bread, which would make them full. It sounds fantastic, doesn't it? It sounds pretty amazing. And it certainly would be a big improvement. But let me ask you this. Do you think it would really solve all of our issues? There's problems in your life, I'm sure, and the lives of those around you. Think about what those problems are. How many of them actually relate to the need for more food? I wonder this morning, let's let's have a, a quick straw poll. Kids, you can look around, see, see how many people answer. If you've ever had to go for a full 24 hours without food, for any reason other than illness, put your hands up. Okay, I think I can spot two. Two people in the whole room who've gone for 24 hours without food. In the UK, needing more food is not really our big problem. But it doesn't mean there's no problems with our lives. It doesn't mean there's nothing that needs fixing. And even if you think about those countries where there isn't much food, if if there was a way to make people never hungry again, do you think that would solve all the problems there? Do you think that would mean there'd be no more lies get told? Do you think that would wipe out every disease? Do you think that would mean there'd be no more fighting or bullying or wars? You know, Jesus came to give us some pretty amazing things. But he didn't come just to fill our bellies. He didn't come just to fill our bellies. And Jesus tells us, look, even if, you, even if I was able to give you the sort of bread that made you full forever, it wouldn't solve all the problems. In verse 49, I wonder if you notice, 
If you've got a Bible with you, have a little look. Uh, Jesus says, look, your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, and yet they died. Is there one of the children or young people who can tell me what Jesus is referring to there, or who he is referring to? Verse 49, your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. Who's he talking about? Does anybody know? Yeah, Hannah. Yeah, the Israelites. So when the Israelites were led out of Egypt through the desert, God sent them manna, this special type of bread, that literally sort of rained down from heaven and settled on the ground. And everybody, every single day, always had enough to eat. It was the most amazing kind of bread that God has ever given us. And yet what happened to those people? They still died. That's, that bread didn't solve all their problems. Jesus hasn't come just to fill our bellies and make us full. Jesus is offering us a different type of bread. Jesus says, if you eat the bread that he is offering, it's going to deal with all of the issues of life. It's going to even deal with death. If you eat the bread that he is offering, it will give you eternal life. You will live forever. He said that a number of times in the conversation that he has. And if his bread deals with even the problem of death, then it deals also with those things that must result in death. And so if we eat this bread that Jesus is offering, we will be living a life that is no longer characterized, no longer marked by all those things which cause death. If we can eat this bread that Jesus is offering, we need no longer to live in a way that is selfish. We don't need anymore to be telling lies to other people in order to make ourselves sound better. We won't need anymore to be jealous of the other people in our school or in our street or at our workplaces because of what they've got and we've not. We don't have to look for people to be helping and serving us all the time, but we can think about how we can be helping and serving other people. The selfishness that marks our lives in, in so many different subtle ways will be totally gone if we take this bread that Jesus offers. And instead of only remembering or knowing or loving God when we're here at church or when we've got our Bibles open, we will know and love God every hour of our life. We'll be taught by him. We will learn from him. He will teach us. We'll become friends of God. And, you know, that sense of guilt that many people have. Children, do you know that horrible feeling when you've done something wrong and you know it's wrong, but nobody else has yet found out? And it's a horrible feeling, isn't it? It weighs on your mind. And, and you, ju- you just can't enjoy the rest of your day until it's dealt with. Do you know there are some people who live every single day of their lives with that thought in the back of their mind? I've done wrong and it's not been fixed. And sometimes those people live with that, that sensation because they've really hurt another person. But always, whatever reason they have that feeling, it's because they know that the wrong they've done is against God. And they need forgiving, not just from the people that they've hurt, but from God himself. And it's that wrongdoing, that that breaking God's laws, breaking God's rules, that's what the Bible calls sin. And ultimately, that is the reason for death. And Jesus says, if you eat the bread that I'm giving you, it will deal with the problem of death. And so it deals with the problem of that guilty conscience that many people live with day in, day out. Jesus calls this type of life eternal life or everlasting life. 
He calls it that. You could say he calls it that because it's the sort of life that people live who are already in eternity. The people who are in heaven live the type of life that Jesus is offering. Life that's not marked by selfishness, but marked by love for others. Marked by knowing God. A life that is free from a guilty conscience. And it's that sort of life that Jesus came to give us. Not just a full belly, but a full life. Real life. Eternal life. How much does it cost, I wonder? Well, it's free for you. But it costs Jesus his life. That's what he means in verse 51. But if we don't buy it then, if we don't have to pay for this bread that gives this kind of eternal life, then how do we get it? Well, Jesus does a funny thing in this conversation, in that as the conversation moves on, he he makes the picture that he's using more and more intense. So he's got this idea that he is the bread of life, and you've got to have this bread in order to receive the eternal life. Now, children, have a look at verse 47. Verse 47, somebody tell me, according to verse 47, how do you get eternal life? According to verse 47, how do you get eternal life? Anybody want to shout it out? Believe, yes, okay? So if you believe, you have everlasting life. Now, that's fairly standard stuff. I'm sure if you've been coming to church for any number of weeks, you'll have heard that nearly every week that you come. Believe in Jesus and you get the eternal life. But then, let's have another look in verse 51. So the conversation moves on. Have a look at verse 51. Now, somebody tell me how you get eternal life according to verse 51. Anybody want to shout out the answer? Eat the bread. bread. Yes, eat the bread. And just to be clear, Jesus says, this bread is my flesh. That's what you've got to do. You've got to eat the bread, the bread which is my flesh, which will be given for you. And of course, the crowd are like, Jesus, that's pretty weird. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? But Jesus doesn't let up. He doesn't say, oh, well, this is what I really mean. Instead, it just it just intensifies it even further. And so in verse 53 and 54, he says it again. I'll tell you the truth. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life. And then he says, look, I, I don't just mean eat it. I mean chew it, gnaw on it, chomp it. And the word that he uses in verse 54, you, you, you can't see the change in English. But the word that Jesus uses, it goes from talking just about eating to then using the word that makes the sound of a raw vegetable when you chomp on it. That's the word that they would have used. Chomp on me. Chew on me. Gnaw on me. Grind me in your teeth. You've really got to take me into yourself. And the word that he uses for drinking changes as well. To be one from past tense to, to present tense. Ongoing. Now what, what Jesus is trying to do is he's trying to get us to see that if we want to receive the eternal life that he is offering then simply believing in the sense of just knowing stuff about him is nowhere near enough for the type to receive the type of life he's offering. 
don't just believe in the sense of know certain things. You know, a person might believe that fruit and veg are good for them. But if they never eat fruit and veg, they just eat pizza and ice cream every day, the fruit and veg is not going to do them any good, no matter how strongly they believe the fruit and veg is good for them. Jesus is saying, you might believe that I'm the one who can give you eternal life. But unless you allow that belief to change you, it's not going to do you any good. You need to eat me. You need to feed on me. You need to depend upon me for eternal life in the same way that you depend on food, bread, for your physical life. There are all sorts of people in the world who believe Jesus. They believe he existed. They believe his claim to be the son of God. They believe that he died on the cross. They might even believe that he rose from the dead again. But they don't let that belief change them. They're not really following Jesus. They don't love him. They don't serve him with their lives. And Jesus says that sort of belief is simply not the sort of belief that grants eternal life. That's not feeding on me. That's just knowing about me. And then Jesus also shows us that, you know, even sincere belief is no good if it's only a one-time past event. When you go home for your dinner this afternoon, nobody will say to their mum, look, I won't have any Sunday dinner today because I had Sunday dinner last week. I know what it already tastes like. I don't need any more. You're not going to say that, are you? You're going to enjoy your lunch because you need it day by day. And even though you had it last week, you're happy to have it again because you've got hungry again. Believing in Jesus is not a one-off event that happens at some time in, in the past in your life. It's not a one-off event that you can put off to someday in the future. Hopefully when you're on your deathbed, you might say. And no matter how emotionally powerful, no matter how sincere, no matter how life-changing your first moment of belief in Jesus was, if that belief in Jesus doesn't continue day after day after day, just like you continue to eat day after day after day, then that belief that you might have once had is not the sort of belief that grants eternal life. And it's of no use for you today. Jesus wants us to be people who are feeding on him day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment. Just like we nourish our physical bodies with physical bread. He wants us to nourish our eternal life with belief in him. Not just once in the past, but hour by hour. So much so that by the time he gets to verse 56 and 57, he's describing our life and his as totally intertwined. We're totally dependent upon him. The one who feeds on him, he says, will live because of him. He's the food for our body. He's the the oxygen in our lungs. He's the blood in our veins. He's the bread of our life. And he asks us to feed on him. What does that look like practically? Sincere belief. Really depending upon him. Trusting him. It involves confessing your sin to him. Acknowledging that you've done wrong. Recognizing that there's no other way for those sins that you've committed against God to be made right. Apart from by you trusting in him. And having him wash you clean. Feeding on him involves reminding yourself 
that your standing before God, your righteousness, your goodness doesn't come from yourself, but it's a gift that he gives you. It involves looking to him to see how he lived. To think about what does godly living really look like? He's our example. Praying for his spirit to do his work in our hearts. And viewing the world in which we live through the lens of his authority and his promise that one day he will return. And as we do these things, as we feed on him in this way, then the eternal life that he has already given us becomes an ever more present reality in our life. He doesn't want us just to be people who know about him. He wants us to be people who depend upon him day by day, hour by hour. Now, that's exactly what we're aiming to do this morning as we take the Lord's Supper, the communion service, together. When Jesus spoke these words about eating the bread and drinking the blood, he wasn't teaching us about communion. That's not what he's doing. He's teaching us about what it means to really believe in him. But the communion service is designed to be a really helpful picture of the things that Jesus is talking about. Jesus isn't talking about communion, but communion is about what Jesus is saying here. We're going to say that the the bread that we eat is the body of Jesus. We're going to say that the wine that we drink is the blood of Jesus. And we eat them. We feed on them. We don't just watch someone else do it. We don't put it in our pocket to take home for later. We eat them and feed upon them now. And it does at least two things. First, it's a symbolic reminder to us of our need to feed upon Jesus Christ for life. And it's an opportunity for us to feed on him spiritually, to remind ourselves of who he is, what he's done on our behalf. Now, that's not all communion is. It, there's much more to it besides. Um, and some of those other reasons are perhaps the stronger reasons why those who aren't here with us in the room today uh, can't, are not able to take communion with us today. But just because you can't take communion with us, it doesn't mean that this time is going to be unfruitful or unhelpful or, or wasted for you. And my prayer is that as you uh, listen to the prayers that, that we are led in, as you listen to the songs that uh, are going to be sung, uh, as you hear the readings, even as you watch others participate in the communion, uh, that this will be a time for you to feed on Jesus Christ spiritually. I pray that this will be a time for all of us where true life, eternal life, is strengthened within us as we feed again on Jesus, our Saviour.